Hello and welcome to another episode of From No Crypto to No Crypto. This is the Crypto Coach, Blockchain Wayne, with another cryptocurrency podcast. Today's episode brought to us by Coincierge Club, also brought to us by the Blockchain Training Academy, taking blockchain to the masses. Uh, a little bit more about that will be available in the comments. So I want to thank you for listening in today. Today's episode is something that's been weighing on my mind heavily. I've done a few podcasts over the last few years about safety, security, security protocols. So this, this episode is called How Secure Is Your Vault, right? And I'm actually, this is the first time I'm actually recording video with it. I will be sharing this also on library.tv and YouTube if you want to follow there as well, or you want to look at the video of it. But how secure is your vault? This is something that comes up quite often. And I just had someone reach out to me over the weekend, somebody that I met in another group. It was a personal development group. Um, but when she found out that I was involved in, in cryptocurrency and blockchain, she had some questions about an incident that happened. And it sounds like she could have been scammed. Now, this is not to make fun of anybody because um, this has happened to many people, many people, uh, including myself early on when I first got involved in the crypto. So this is something that you've got to learn from. But I wanted to talk about how secure is your vault, right? We're coming up on in a few days, you know, we're going to have the, the Bitcoin halving, which is happening where mining rewards get cut in half, which could limit the supply. Uh, I mean, it will limit the supply. It's going to uh, less will be available and could potentially see the price jump up. And then also uh, we've got Bitcoin Pizza Day, which symbolizes uh, that's coming up around, uh, I think it's May 22nd, if I'm not mistaken. But that is when the first known transaction of Bitcoin for a commercial product, when someone exchanged 10,000 Bitcoin for two Papa John's pizzas might may sound crazy now, but at the time it didn't have any value or much value. So that was a fair trade, right? And that was a step in uh, the progression of Bitcoin that got us to where we are today. So those are coming up. I'll talk more about those in future episodes, but it just wants me to, you know, it just reminds me to go back and talk to you about how secure is your vault. The beauty of cryptocurrency is that you can control your own private keys. You can control your own monetary assets without the need of a bank, of a financial institution or anything else or any kind of government telling you not only how can you store it, but how can you use it uh, that nobody can take from you. The problem is many people get lazy when it comes to security. So what does that mean when I say they get lazy, right? Hacks, hacks, ha you hear about hacks happening. When hacks happening, you know, I don't know of one single case where somebody's uh, private seed phrase or whatever was, you know, or their, their backup seed phrase or their private keys were guessed by someone or a software program was able to crack it. When you hear about people getting hacked in crypto, there's a couple of things that they do wrong and it all revolves around being lazy around your security or trusting a third party, a centralized entity with your decentralized assets. And that's where the problem can come in. Now I'll tell you that, you know, I recommend everybody that I know that as access, one of the platforms to get started with cryptocurrency is Coinbase. But I quickly teach people how to move off of there. It's an easy platform, but it's a centralized platform and you don't control your private keys. You don't have actual control of your assets. When you move it into a wallet where you control the private keys, you control the seed phrases, you own those assets and you're able to control those and have them secure or lock them away, lock them away in a quote unquote vault where you control it. So, so let's talk a little bit about that. So I'll, I'll tell you a hack that just happened recently that I potentially was put at risk for. And I'll tell you why I was put at risk and why I'm not really worried. 
right? So you heard about Zoom. Zoom is a video communication app that has the popularity has blown up since this quarantine with the COVID-19 and, and, and everybody staying home more. All travel and conferences have been canceled. So a lot of people are utilizing Zoom. Now, I've been using Zoom for about eight years now. And one of the things that happened was their security was hacked and the usernames, email addresses and passwords were able to be obtained by hackers. Now, it's as you may think, well, it's as simple as changing my password and that's easy. But let me tell you where some some cracks in the system can be. All right. So let's say um, they, they hack into Zoom and the email you use on Zoom is the same email you use for your bank account, for Coinbase or any other account like that. But then. That's not as bad as the fact that say your password is the same. Say you're the type that uses the same password on everything or your password is not that hard to crack or guess, right? Or somebody could look at some of your information and figure it out. Well, now someone has access to it. So you shouldn't be worried if they have, you know, they have my Zoom account info. But you know what? I don't use that email address for my financial accounts and I don't use that password for anything else other than Zoom. So that is where you can protect yourself. So secure your vault that way by being able to um, separate. Don't get lazy when it comes to passwords. I know you think it may be easy, but you are basically broadcasting the keys to where this may be some little account. You know, and I joke with people all the time. I said the, um, the same account that you may set up for rewards at your, uh, your local uh, Mr. Diggler's adult shop right? You don't want to use that same email and password for your financial accounts, for things that matter. So that is the first step is if you haven't already, go into your financial accounts or accounts that matter that you have login information and change the email address to an email address you don't give out publicly, right? You can have the one you give out publicly, which is for all your spam and everything else, right? But the one you use for financial accounts, or important accounts, make sure you use a separate email that you don't give out to people. That can potentially save 99% of the headaches, right? So make sure you're doing that. And then when these hacks happen, you won't be worried, right? Because you know that you diversify, utilize different things. Even if you have to use a password manager like um, LastPass or OnePass, uh, now do your own research on those. I'm not recommending either of them. I think one of them had a security breach not too long ago, but that is just something that can be uh, an option if you have a lot of passwords to manage, right? So make sure you and make sure your passwords are complex when you're setting up those things when, you know, because yes, I do have a Coinbase account. My password is complex. It has letters and numbers and all kinds of special characters. And that's just the first part. Now, the second part to get into it is on any of those accounts. Now, this is this could be anything. Now, I've got this set up on Facebook. I've got it set up on my Google account. I've got it set up on multiple other financial institutional accounts, including some crypto accounts, whether it's exchanges I trade on or my, my Coinbase account, which I said, you know, said that's something I recommend for an entry level person. Um, but one thing I utilize on top of that is two factor authentication. Now, there's multiple levels of two factor authentication. So you want to make sure that for two-factor authentication, you're using the best method. There's a good, there's a better, and there's a best, right? The, I don't want to say even good, the, the least effective of the three options is you'll see an option for SMS text messaging. 
Now, what does that mean? Every time you try to log into that account, they will send your phone number on file, a text message with a code that, to verify that it's you and you have to enter that code. Say your phone gets stolen. Easy way someone could go in to reset your password and when they send the reset code, they've got it, right? The other thing is we've heard a lot lately about SIM swaps where people may call phone companies and pretend to be you. Just like when you buy a new phone, they swap the service from the SIM in the old phone to the SIM in a new phone that you're getting the SIM card. And so SIM swapping means someone calls, pretends to be you, say you want to move service over to another phone and they move service over from your phone to that phone. So if, you, if you've ever been a victim of SIM hacking, trust me, you know it because your cell phone will all, all of a sudden quit working. Now the phone itself will be functional, but you won't be, you'll have zero service. You won't be able to call out or anything. And that's a big red flag that you've been SIM swapped and you need to contact uh, the phone company right away to get that uh, fixed. So having securing your pin and other things that you, when you set up your phone account can help. Uh, but in some cases, I'm not a big fan of AT&T. I've heard uh, some AT&T employees have been uh, accused and are in the process of being charged in a few of those cases where it was an inside job. So um, that's why it's, that's why I said that's the least effective method. Another one is to use an authenticator app like Authy, A-U-T-H-Y, or Google Authenticate, uh, which allows you to either scan a QR code or enter a, um, a key and that syncs up and allows, it's a time-based thing that changes every 30 seconds that gives you a code. So when you go to log in, you log in with your username and password, and then you have to go in and go to the Authenticator app that you're using and whatever that time-based code is for that account, you got to enter it at that time and hit enter before it time switches over to the next code. So someone would actually have to have your device and be able to do that. Now that's one of the better methods. There's also a really good method. There's a, the, the best method would be a physical security key. Um, there's one by Ubico that I can recommend because I've used it, U-B-I-C-O, and it's a physical device, keychain device you can put that you would actually plug into device or in phone cases that use Bluetooth to allow you to verify that it's you, that physical key. Um, so that's your best way, right? So that is, uh, those are some of the aspects of logging into different accounts. So now let's get into your vault. We're talking about securing your crypto. Now there are digital wallets out there that allow you to control your own private keys. There's also some fake wallets out there that you want to be aware. Don't just download anything in the app store or Google play store. It tells you it's a wallet, just like the scam that that's been around since last year that I think it's in the process of collapsing right now, which is no surprise called cloud token where they told people you hold your own crypto in your own wallet and you're going to earn so much per day or so much per week. Um, just, just from uh, the, an AI bot that's trading your crypto. And then all of a sudden now nobody can withdraw from it. If it's truly your wallet, you should never have any restrictions from withdrawing from it. You should never be stopped from being able to withdraw from it. That's why it's important to do that. Now, one of the biggest red flags of that that I noticed was I tracked somebody that had deposited Bitcoin um, into their cloud token account wallet. Uh, or it was Bitcoin or Ethereum at the time. This was probably six or eight months ago. And you followed that. And then that month, that, that crypto, which was supposedly locked in their wallet, was then on the blockchain. You can track that crypto. It was then moved to a larger wallet that hold, held a bunch of crypto which is probably the one the company controlled because it wasn't a real wallet. It was just a fake interface made to look like a wallet. 
So that's why I'm gonna give you some recommendations of the wallets that I personally use that I could, you know, that I would um, recommend. Uh, first and foremost, I'm gonna say Exodus. Exodus wallet, uh, they have a mobile app and they have a desktop downloadable wallet that you also can sync up if you want to, to where you can access crypto from both wallets. Um, again, it's password protected. Um, you get a seed phrase and you can control your private keys. You can view your private keys if you want to. Uh, it does give you some disclaimers to let you know that make sure you're only accessing it where you can see it. Nobody else can see it, but you have control to access all of that. And then you're able to back it up. So that's where you want to do set a complex password. And then now that you have this wallet set up, it's going to give you a seed phrase. That seed phrase is used to restore that wallet if you ever lose access. So that is your backup. With these decentralized applications and the wallets, there's no customer service you can contact and say, hey, I forgot my password. Can you reset it for me? No, you are the vault. You are the security. There's nobody you can call that can bail you out. So what do you need to do? You need to back that up, right? Notebook. I remind a notebook and I keep them in a safe, right? And, and then I keep a physical, I keep another copy of that somewhere else. And then I also have a digital copy, uh, which uh, I'll share the link in, in, I'll have the link shared in this podcast. Uh, but a friend of mine created a digital device that you can download. Basically, you can download his program to a USB flash drive. And one of the things I did when I was testing his, his protocol, um, you know, it is you can um, you can remove your computer from the Internet and be able to access everything on our, save your private keys, save your um, and you can save your uh, seed phrases on that device. Right. So that is that's a device that, that I can recommend. I'll put a link in the comments uh, that can it's called Safe Ledger that will allow you to have a copy of that as well. You don't just want to store your seed phrases on your computer in a regular file. You don't want to uh, just store it in a notepad on your phone or your computer. Those are big no no's. Don't get lazy when it comes to your security. Back it up. And if, if you feel like you need a digital device to have, then get a safe ledger. You can get multiple copies of it. They're very cheap and you can use your own flash drive. So you don't have to wait for shipping. You just buy the download and it's encrypted files. Now, when I first met Philip, the creator of it, I was skeptical. I told him it sounded scammy and, and all this. And he sent me one for free and told me, Hey, if you think it is, try it out. By the time I was done testing it and trying to hack it and all these different things, you know, I brought him onto the podcast, onto the podcast show to do it. And you can find that one further back uh, where I talked with Philip. Uh, at Safe Ledger. I'm not sure the exact name of that title of the podcast, but it's it's way back in my podcast episodes. Um, so you control your private keys and that's it. You, the whole point of crypto is you want to take power back. So right now, if you want to spend your money that's in a bank account, you've got to go through a centralized bank, right? And you've got to get, think about when, when you swipe a card, it's trying to get permission from the credit card process. And then it's trying to get permission from the bank. And if any of those entities along the way don't like your transaction, whether it's legal or not, whether they agree with it or not, they can simply stop it, block it, access to your money. You have zero control over it. Most of us don't even think about that because most of the time the system works. And a lot of times when I talk to people, uh, especially people in the U.S. that are believers in crypto, they've experienced some hiccups along the way. Now, I've talked to businessmen that have had legitimate businesses with legitimate business decisions and something they did that was perfectly legal that the bank didn't like would freeze their funds that are in the bank and not allow them access to it. 
And that's when, you know, one of the business guys I talked to, that's when he said, you know, I never wanted another institution or entity better control my money. I wanted something that I can control, not only access to, but creation of. And this guy right now with his business partners are out in Texas building the largest mining facility in the U.S. And it all started because, of, you know, it, it didn't start because of that. But that was one of the reasons that led him to crypto and Bitcoin and then mining and then uh, into that whole aspect. So you control your own funds. So the biggest thing is that's one of the best and worst things because you can't get lazy when it comes to that. Right. You can't get lazy when it comes to security. You can't get lazy when it comes to your passwords, your seed phrases, those seed phrases that you copy down. Make sure you keep multiple copies of it. Keep them in multiple locations as well. Right. If you have a safe deposit box, get you a safe ledger, put all your backups on there, too. That way, if something happens to you or if, say, you know, God forbid, Philip was telling me a story of somebody's house burned down. And because they had stored another copy somewhere else, they were able to access that um, and restore all of their crypto accounts. Right. So, yeah, your Coinbase accounts and, and your other, say, exchanges and other entities where you may forget your password. Those are centralized so they can reset your password for you. But when it comes down to it, you don't truly have control. So my my advice to you, it can sound scary. And some people are like, oh, maybe I want someone else to manage that for me. Here's my advice, realistic advice. If you're dabbling with a little bit, it's not that big of a problem. But start to get used to moving and getting stronger and stronger with your security to where you're moving that crypto. Unless you're actively trading it on an exchange, put it in a wallet where you control. Put it, you know, I mentioned Exodus. One of the other things, other wallets you can utilize are some hardware wallets, like your Nano Ledger S and Ledger X. Those are USB uh, flash devices that look look like a USB device, and they can store what you call cold stores, it can store the keys to your crypto, right? They call them wallets and we call them all wallets just because that's terminology we're used to. We're used to storing money in wallets, but it's actually functions. Each one of these functions more like a keychain. The, the crypto is there. It just gives you the keys to access it and utilize it and transfer ownership, which would be your peer to peer transaction. So that's what's really happening with wallets. Uh, so Nano Ledger has some other wallets that I could recommend. Off the top of my head, I've utilized Trust Wallet quite a bit. And I've also, um, in particular for um, Ethereum and some non-fungible tokens, I use the Engine Wallet, E-N-J-I-N. So those are a couple of other wallets that I could recommend based on my personal experience and use with them. Uh, there is another wallet called the Coinbase Wallet, and it's separate, not from your Coinbase account, but it, it is a separate uh, wallet where you control the private keys called Coinbase Wallet. So when you look it up, if you go to the Google Play Store or App Store and you type in Coinbase, it's going to show you probably now it's going to show you the regular Coinbase retail app. It's going to show you Coinbase Pro and also show you Coinbase Wallet. So uh, as of right now, this recording, the Coinbase Wallet, it's uh, the, the logo on it. It's just a circle with a square in the middle. Uh, but that, that those are different options. So my question to pose to you again that I posed at the beginning is how secure is your vault? Right. So if you're just new to crypto, don't worry, just start taking steps to protect yourself. And those can carry over to your other accounts. Like I said, I took two-factor authentication and I use it on Facebook. I use it on Google. I use it on Twitter. I use it on a lot of different accounts that I normally wouldn't have used it on, but I use them now, right? Different uh, home automation apps that I use. A lot of those are now offering two-factor authentication, which I use as well. So I can show you my two-factor authentication screen 
and on my phone, I can scroll down. There's tons of them there. And just like that, when you save something on your two-factor authentication, it will give you a backup um, key, which is usually a string of letters and numbers. Again, to where if you forget your password or if you get locked out, like say you're saving all your two-factor authentication on your phone and your phone gets stolen or broken and not usable, how do you access those accounts? Those private phrases. So all of that can be stored on your safe ledger as well. Uh, but make sure you store it somewhere secure. Remember, not in the notes on your computer, not in the notepad on your phone, not just in a Microsoft uh, Word folder where you just label, even if you label it something different, right? Uh, don't do that. Save it in encrypted files, which could be safe ledger or save it in physical storage. What's physical storage? A notebook, a notebook that you can keep important information in a safe, in a firebox, in a safe deposit box, wherever that case may be. So um, crypto is going to be more and more mainstream. You're a lot more major entities talking about it. So make sure you lead the way because hackers are going to continue to target the path of least resistance. As long as you make sure that's not you, you're going to be good. And as long as you control the majority of your crypto by holding the private, holding it in wallets where you control the private keys, then you'll be in control. You won't, you know, you won't suffer as much, but you're always going to hear just like people's bank accounts are constantly getting hacked, right? It happens because of poor security, lack security. Many times it's not the bank that's compromised. It's other accounts where they use the same email and password. So then if, if, quote unquote, if I was a hacker and I got a hold of somebody's email address and password from one account, I would start hitting different financial entities just to see if they have the same email and password. And that's how people get hacked. So you can, you can basically limit that because they're going to follow the path of least resistance. If they got to work hard to get into your stuff, they're probably not going to try unless they know you got millions. And if you got millions, there's other steps you should be taking. So, uh, you know, just remember that. So protect yourself, secure your vault, protect your crypto and control your keys. And so that's it for this episode. I want to thank every, I want to thank you for listening in. I uh, appreciate your time today and following this podcast and I will catch you on the next episode.